Well, it is a joy to uh, to be with y'all this morning. Um, thank y'all. Thank you, Sarah, for inviting me to come to, to be able to speak for a little bit of time. Um, let's pray first, ask the Lord to be with our time. And uh, Laura Bevel has only given me a certain amount of time this morning. Um, she said that y'all enjoy your uh, conversations with each other uh, to the point that, Justin, you have to keep it only to 30 minutes. So I'm going to do my best, okay? Let's pray. Father, you have uh, been so good and so kind to us. We do come before you this morning um, as a son and daughters of the King. Uh, Lord, as we come this morning to look at, think about the way in which you have designed and structured your church, uh, Lord, we know that the way that you've done that is a good thing. And so we just ask that you'll help to impart to us the truth that is found in your word and that it will um, affect us in how we desire to live our lives, how we desire for our church to look and to be. And Lord God, ultimately, so that you'll be glorified in all the things that we do. Uh, so we pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Amen. So uh, Sarah said that I was going to talk about um, Titus 1. Now, I am, but I'm just going to take one verse out of there and talk with you about that verse because I think it's foundational for the rest of what we see in Titus. Um, now, I want to go ahead and start out by saying this, that when I was a pastor in Alabama, uh, I had a a young elder, and what I mean by that was he was 42-ish, but he was young uh, in the faith, young in knowledge of the scriptures. Uh, he, he knew a lot. He was very intelligent, but he wanted to teach this book, which is a very faithful book. Um, and I was like, sure, go for it. Sunday nights, here we go. Well, he taught the book uh, faithfully as far as content goes, but he taught it as though that our church had been doing everything wrong for the last 75 years, and we need to get it in order. Uh, almost like we had been in sin for the last 75 years, doing things wrong, and we need to get it right. So what I'm here to tell you this morning is I'm not coming to you in that way, okay? Um, our church in this area is doing things correctly. Now, what I think is important is that because it is a little different than what we have done in the past, especially many Baptist churches, uh, I think it's important for us to just see in the Bible where we find a plurality of elders, okay? Maybe y'all have had some discussions about this throughout first uh, throughout Titus uh, and talking about Titus chap chapter 1, verse 5. But what I want to do this morning is I want to take us to the other passages in, in, in the Bible, in the New Testament, so that we see with our own eyes where a plurality comes from, okay? That's, that's what I hope to do this morning so that we see that God's design of setting up his church is a good one, okay? The way that he designed and wanted it structured is a good way. So 
We're in Titus 1, talks about leadership, so that's what we're going to talk about uh, this morning, okay? Um, now, I'm happy if we have time, and, La- and uh, Laura will let us, uh, I'm happy to answer some questions. Yeah, yeah, I know you will. You probably already have it. I bet you do. So, um, what I want to do is, I want us to look, um, I want to give us two things. One in particular is, there's two sides to the coin, okay? The first one is the biblical prescription of a plurality of elders. The biblical prescription of a plurality of elders. And then the other side of the coin is the wisdom of a plurality of elders. Okay? The wisdom of a plurality of elders. So let's look at the first one. The biblical prescription. Um, the most fundamental place that we must go to see the way that Fisherville and all local churches should structure their leadership is where? The Bible. This is a Bible study, right? We, we go to the Bible. We can use other books to help um, bring some of these truths to, to light. We ultimately go to the scriptures, and that's where we find these truths. And that's how we want to live our lives. That's how we want to structure our churches. That's how, that's where we get it. That's where life is found, right, is through God's word. There is not a single church in the New Testament that we know of that is pastored by a single pastor. Not one. You won't find it. Go home and try. You won't find it. There's not one church in the New Testament that we see that is pastored by a single pastor. Every time we see uh, leadership talked about in churches in the New Testament, it is always a plurality. Every time. Every time. So all the churches that were planted, all the churches that were formed in the New Testament, Acts and, and so forth, every one of them that, we, that, that states who are the pastors, always, there's always a plurality. There's always more than one. <clears throat> so let's look at the passages. Let's look at Titus chapter 1, verse 5. Let's look at that one first. Now, Paul is writing to Titus, and this is what he says to Titus in verse 5. He says, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders, plural, in every town as I directed you. Now, the implication there is that there are, uh, there's a church in each town. So they're going to plant a church, or they've planted a church in these towns. And he's telling Titus to go into the towns and to, to structure that with elders in each town um, in order to give structure to that. So let's, let's go back to Acts. So Acts is where we find where the church was birthed in Acts chapter 2, the preaching of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came. That was the beginning of the church that we know today now. 
is Acts chapter 2. So let's go to Acts and let's see what the Bible tells us about a plurality and how the Lord set it up. Acts chapter 14. Have y'all looked at these passages already for this class at all? Okay. Okay. I just didn't know if y'all had gone through this exercise at all during the Titus study already. Acts chapter 14, verse 23. And when they had appointed elders, plural, for them in every church. Y'all see that? So multiple elders in each single church. All right, Acts chapter 16, verse 4. As they went on from as they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So there was the Jerusalem church, okay, in the city of Jerusalem, and there were elders there. Okay, plurality. Chapter twenty, verse seventeen. When I hear y'all's pages stop, I'll, I'll go. 20, so chapter 20, verse 17. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. So a plurality of elders in the church, the single church. Chapter 21, verse 18. On the following day, Paul went with us to James, and all the elders were present. So James was the uh, was an elder in in Jerusalem, the Jerusalem church. Uh, we learn about that in Acts chapter fifteen as well. And so here we see a plurality in the church in Jerusalem. Go to James chapter five. James chapter five, verse fourteen. This is the last one. James 5, 14. <clears throat> is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. So, again, we see a plurality. We see a uh, more than one, it doesn't give us an exact amount, more than one elder in this church, okay? And obviously it's talking about a local church because it's saying if anyone among you is sick, call for the elders of your church to come and to pray for you, okay? So here I just wanted to give you the passages in the Bible so that you can see it with your own eyes, that what, what the Bible shows us, what the Lord, the way in which he structured his church, he wanted his church structured, was to have a plurality of elders in each church, okay? Um, I use the term prescriptive uh, as an important uh, word, okay? And the reason I say that is 
there are some things in the Bible that are descriptive. They describe something that happens in the Bible, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we are to do that also. Most of the time we are. But we're not to be Paul. We're not to be an apostle. When they talk about apostles, when, when we see apostles in the Bible, we know that those apostles, uh, their apostleship was a descriptive idea. So we, we, we're just learning about them. We can take truths from them, but we're not to be an apostle ourselves. Okay. Most things in the Bible are prescriptive. We are to see what the Bible says about a situation like a plurality of elders, and we are to also form our churches like the Bible uh, formed its church, uh, was churches were formed in the Bible. So we believe, I believe, that we're seeing here that God's design was for multiple pastors in each church. So prescriptive. It's in the Bible, but it's also what we're supposed to do. That's the way we're supposed to uh, have our church structured. Now, since the Bible teaches it to be this way, I think that we should too. That's why we have a plurality of elders at Fisherville. Okay? It's not because somebody thought it was a good idea or, uh, hey, maybe we should do this. Maybe I need some help. No, that's not the reason. The ultimate reason is because the Bible gives us this as an example for us. All right. That's a biblical prescription. Now, let's, I just want to go to practical reasons why we should have a plurality of leaders, elders in the church, in each church, okay? So, I mean, I can find some passages that support these ideas, but I just really want to speak from, from an example um, of being a pastor, having been a pastor. I was a pastor even uh, before uh, we had elders in the church in Alabama, and then what my experience was after uh, having elders in the church there, and then having a plurality here at Fisherville whenever I came on as an elder. So I just want to give you a few um, things. So the second point is the wisdom of a plurality of elders, the wisdom of a plurality of elders. Now, I think ultimately the wisdom of a plurality of elders is good because God designed it that way, but it's also there to protect the flock of God. That is ultimately God's design in a plurality of elders. It is for the whole body to be uh, protected, cared for, loved, growing in the word because there are multiple men serving as elders so let's look at the first point in this a plurality of elders helps to encourage one another to stay in the faith are you prone to wander from the Lord yes or no yes so are those who are elders they're not superhuman. They're not special. Um, we as elders are just as fallible as any other man or woman. So we're prone to wonder as well. So a plurality of elders helps us to stay in the faith. Uh, we, we don't, uh, a single elder doesn't feel like he's off on his own uh, by himself on an island somewhere trying to live life and to do ministry 
to serve an entire church, to preach the truth of the word, to live it wholeheartedly and faithfully, has all of those amazing um, um, uh, responsibilities and, and um, um, what we find there in Titus, all the, what the, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, say again. Qualifications. Yeah. Thank you. So you look at the qualifications of an elder. I mean, those are difficult. I mean, even just to be above reproach is difficult. I mean, I we have boys at home, and it's difficult in my own heart to say, hey, I think I'm following, and I'm able to manage my own household well sometimes, right? So we as elders, when you have multiple elders together, you are helping to build one another up and strengthen one another when one is down, uh, when you're struggling, when you're, when you're even doubting the faith, or when you don't know what to do. You don't know what the right answer is. You don't know what action to take. To have all that weight on just your shoulders is too much for one man. To be caring for the souls of God's people on the shoulders of one. It's too much. Only Jesus could have done that. But you know what? He actually had helpers, didn't he? Uh, he went and got men that he could disciple to carry on his work. <clears throat> so, plurality of elders protects the flock by encouraging elders to stay in the faith and to stay on the right path, okay? The path, not of foolishness, but on the path of wisdom. All right, the second thing is the plurality of elders protects the flock from false teachers, from false teachers. Um, one of the primary roles of elders is to call out false teachers and false doctrine, right? I mean, that's what we find in Titus 1. Very quickly, right after the qualifications are given for elders, what's next? You must put those who are teaching false doctrine out. You must call them out and put them out, right? Call them out. Well, let me tell you, whenever there is a single pastor, it is much easier for that one single pastor to be led astray to be tempted to just go along with it. It's not that bad. It's not too terrible. It, it can't lead down a path that would cause our church to be hurt. It's much easier for one single pastor to be led down that road than it is an entire elder board. Why? Because when one is tempted, the others are not. And the others are going to be able to say, no, we're not doing that. Or, when one is even tempted to do it, he won't even speak up because he knows his brothers are there and they know what the truth is. And so does he. So no, we're, we're going to stay on the path we're supposed to stay on. We're going to call out false teaching. We're going to call out false doctrine whenever we see it in the church. But when you have a single pastor, it's much easier. Now, I'll also tell you that most of the time when we find charlatans and false teachers that carry a whole group of people, a whole church away down 
terrible paths. You know about drinking the Kool-Aid, right? When you see that happen, most of the time it's because there's one charismatic leader who is leading the people astray. There's not a plurality of people who are being faithful, who are leading the church. No. Uh, you, you see one charismatic individual who is um, who's teaching false doctrine, leading people down the wrong way, and so he just he carries them all with him without any structure of keeping him under control. Okay? That protects the flock. It protects the church. <clears throat> A plurality of elders is wiser than one man by himself. The plurality, a plurality of elders is wiser than one man by himself. Um, the, I cannot begin to tell you how many times I have gone into an elders meeting knowing about certain decisions or situations we were going to try, we were going to, try to decide what the best um, avenue was going to be. And I had my mind made up when I went in. And when I get there, I speak what I think should be. The other men speak what they think should be. And as we're having that discussion, my decision changes. That's, not, that's probably not the best decision, the road to go down. And most of the time, we come up with the best decision, the wisest decision because we have more, more than one person that is being able to speak into those, into the issue, into the situation. Um, so, again, I mentioned a while ago that sometimes you just don't know what to do, right, as elders, as an elder. Other, peop- other elders may have been through those situations before. Um, they, they may have actually gone through some of those things themselves, and they may be able to speak from experience as to how we might should take take action or go forward from here. Um, <clears throat> so, a plurality of elders is easy easy to be able to be seen as wiser than a single pastor. Now, probably the biggest obje- objection to elders having a plurality of elders. Um, is that that's just not how I grew up doing it, right? Um, me either. The church I grew up in still has a single pastor and deacon board-led church, okay? Um, I would argue that most of the time in those churches that deacons are serving as both deacons and they're serving as somewhat elders too. Uh, most of the deacons are uh, helping. They're meeting once a month, potentially. They're having discussion about what needs to happen with the pastor being there. And they're making decisions for the church. They're counseling people. They're praying for the body. You see, uh, the church isn't just a single person leading the place, normally ever. There are other people who are godly, and they're pouring into the life and of the church in this way and leading it. So, what we find is that the Bible tells us that elders and deacons are different. Their roles are different. The deacon's role is to primarily be a leading 
servant. Okay? They're, they're people who serve and they lead in serving. Okay? And elders primarily serve in leading. They primarily serve in leading. Okay? In, in many areas of the church. Okay? But they're, they're distinct. They're different. We shouldn't mix up what an elder does and what an elder is and what a what an elder and what a deacon is and does um they're two different offices um and god set it up this way he designed it to be this way uh i think that the reason that we you may say well why in the world did we get to a single pastor and and deacon sort of leading the church why did that happen that's a really good question i can tell you what i think probably was the case I believe that our world in the United States of America primarily lifts high efficiency to the point that like any other type of business or organization, we want efficiency. We want things to be able to, decisions to be able to make quickly by one individual and we want the church to be able to just move forward headlong quickly as possible and as efficient as possible. And that's where we get the single pastor who makes most of the decisions. Deacons can kind of come in and they meet once a month to talk about some stuff, maybe, and, and help to lead the church. I, we must understand that the church is not the world. The church is not to be set up like the world sets its organizations up. It's not the same thing. God set up the church differently than what the world has set up businesses and organizations to be efficient the Lord would much rather us be inefficient and faithful than unfaithful and efficient okay so we may not move as quickly as the world would move we may not make decisions as quickly as the world would make them but hopefully when those things come to pass we trust that the Lord is is giving us good, wise decisions that we're coming to, okay? Now, I would also tell you that many times, situations that come up, they most of the time, elders don't need to fix it. Many, many times, we desire, we pray as elders that these situations will, will be alleviated by themselves among the body, Okay? Because we, we desire ultimately that whatever the issue is, that the Lord will work in their hearts and that those things will come, will, will work themselves out. We, elders don't need to be high-handed, strong-handed people. They need to pray that the Lord will work in the hearts, give guidance, and give direction where we can, encourage godliness, but then hopefully that things work themselves out in time doesn't always happen that way and sometimes we do have to give direction where it's a little bit stronger than others so hope that gives you a little bit uh, of understanding about even though we have an objection as to how we used to do it we see that the bible shows us the way that he has set it up now last thing i'll say Ultimately, the purpose for having a plurality of elders is not just so we can say we have a plurality of elders. 
That's not why it is, okay? The reason we have a plurality of elders is because we believe that the Bible teaches that that is the way that God designed to set up and formulate his church. And we believe that it is the wisest thing because God set it up this way and ultimately for his glory and for our body, for our church to be most uh, glorified in in growing in the word and in teaching, right? So our, our desire is to have a plurality of elders so that that's what God says is best for the body and that the body is built up in the word because of it, because of a plurality of elders, okay? Okay, so... I'm going to ask Sarah if I have any time to answer questions. If I don't, <laughs> if I don't, then I won't. But if I do, I will. Okay. That's a great question. Um, this is what I would like to tell you, and I don't want to take it. I don't want you to take it too far. So I'm going to answer you with sort of, <laughs> but I don't want you to take it to say yes wholeheartedly. Okay. Um, I believe that we do see throughout the scriptures, especially in the New Testament that we see what we would call a first among equals. A first among equals. All the elders are equal in their role and responsibility. Okay, qualifications, role, everything. However, there is one or two or three who primarily preach and are on staff. Okay? And those are ones that give all their time when they're here and, and doing the work of the ministry. They give their full effort to it. Now, just like, so me and Eric, we're not able to give our full attention to the church, right? Because we have jobs that we go to every day. Jeff primarily is here, right? Um, don't bombard him, but... He's primarily here. He's primarily giving of his time and his energy and efforts just to this. Um, and so that's why we pay him. And they don't pay, y'all don't pay us, okay? It's because of the, the primary responsibility of preaching the word is the most important. Um, because if you don't get that right, you don't get anything else right, okay? Um, and he also is giving his full time to this work. So... First among equals, okay? Does that make sense? Does that sort of answer your question? Yes. Uh, let me, let me give you, okay, go. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think obviously yes, but I, I'll give you examples. There are there are people that you know probably in the evangelical world who are well known because of their name. They've written books. They uh, they speak places, but they often go into elders' meetings, and and the elders decide that's he thinks they ought to do a particular thing, and then his the way in which he thought they were, should do the elders decide no that's not what we need to do. So yes, so there is where there's greater wisdom in life experience as well as time growing in maturity in the word, right? So those things play into um, how that works out. But they all um, should be at a level of maturity in the word and in life that they're able to speak very wise to the decisions that are to be made, okay? I mean, we have Paul telling Timothy, don't let them... Um, despise you for your age. So as far as age goes, it doesn't necessarily matter, okay? Um, but wisdom definitely does. Okay, let me, one more, one second. Just, who was that? Okay, one second, please. Back to you. First, if you want to write, anybody wants to write this down, it's First Timothy five eighteen. It talks about those who are, I'm going to go there. First Timothy five, eighteen. Uh, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the Scripture says, "You shall not muzzle an ox." So, verse seventeen points us to let us know that there are multiple elders in this church. Okay, however, there are some that are devoted to preaching and teaching more. Let, especially that they, let, let them be worthy of double honor. Do you see the sort of the first among the group? Okay. Yes, ma'am. That's a great question. Um, most of the time, in some churches, they have people who are on staff, and a lot of them do get together and maybe talk about the passage before the preaching on Sunday. Um, but there's one person who puts the message together, okay? And when, so Jeff got sick a while back, and he called me Saturday night. Justin, I'm on my way to the ER. Uh, I need you to be ready for tomorrow. Got it. I hadn't been preparing for a message. So at that point, that's when you humble yourself and you say, I literally, I hung up the phone with him. I said, Lord, you're going to have to help me. I mean, you're going to have to tell, you're going to have to sort of help direct me in, in what passage you want me to preach, and then you're going to have to help me to be able to stay up a long time and to get ready for this and to be ready in the morning. So you then, you, dependence on the Lord, and then that's when you, you 
here the Bible talk about preaching in season and out of season. That's one of those out of season moments. Like, I'm, I wasn't preparing for this. I wasn't ready for this. But, Lord, I'm out of season. You're going to have to help me. So that's where that comes from. Okay. Met together. I think, that's, I think it's great and wonderful. Most churches just don't have that can be there that much. We uh, elders meet once a month. We meet once a month. Sometimes we've been uh, in the past a little bit. We've we've met every two weeks, and we we talk about what the the passages are that are coming up. But we don't we don't dig into the word together. Now we do reach out to one another to ask each other questions. If we're like guys, I really don't know what I need to think about this verse help me and we do have discussions about those like that but that's usually through email or text yep Lynn yeah so there's there's no prescription in the Bible to give us that answer um, the I would tell you the Bible would probably tell us however many qualify and the church's need so um if there are three men who are who who qualify to be elders, who desire the office, as First Timothy three tells us, uh, they're able to teach, um, and 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 then the elders agree about him, and then the whole church agrees about him, then you may say, well, we could get too many. Well, not necessarily. I I think that at that point, what you would see is that some of those men would probably be sent out to go to other churches to, to be you know shepherds of other churches at times so the whole time we're sort of raising up more shepherds okay okay <laughs> sorry that's just a simplified way uh, sorry no well I mean it's almost so simple that it it makes it kind of confusion. I got you. So what I said was deacons are leading servants. So they lead in serving the church, right? So all kind of stuff. Setting up chairs, Jack, he, you know, he's in charge of. <laughs> so, el- so deacons primarily are the ones who um, lead in letting the rest of the church see service happen and bring other people along in the church to serve with them, okay? Uh, elders primarily serve by leading, okay? And that, that and most true leadership happens preaching the truth of the gospel and the word, okay? Leadership doesn't happen because we're big and strong and we can, you know, just tell everybody how things are supposed to be. No, it's... it's declaring God's word to the congregation that's that's leading letting God lead his people through the elders okay